now that we're in the second half of the month long, where we've had two weeks with many uh, instructions in the morning, um, we're going to start uh, using this time just to sit together and maybe a few things will be said, but so many tools have been offered that at, point, at one point uh, more tools would not be helpful. Um, so, and each one of you has some practice momentum and already some <clears throat> choice about the style of practice that you're exploring. So you can do, you could go this whole month and just keep it very simple, just returning to your breath and seeing what that's like, uh, returning to your anchor, learning how to relax and have a focal point of your attention. You can use that uh, anchoring practice and then do a little star patterns out from the anchor to explore different phenomena arising in the stream. You can use the anchor only to gather your attention, but then you relax and you might explore something that's more open in attention. And then only if you feel very dispersed uh, might you recollect yourself um, with something that you've grown a, a faithful relationship to as this helps to collect my attention. And there are some people who are doing wide open attention as their basic practice. And all of those are fine. There are whole uh, monastic systems in Thailand and Burma and Sri Lanka where that's what they emphasize and they respect the whole range. But there's no one way to get it right. And so the way to get it right is to practice them and see what's most conducive for your settling wakefully into the stream. And that, even, that may even change over time. But the most important thing is not to get lost between these so that you're not actually choicefully cultivating anything it's sort of, uh, I made a joke, I, I fast between meals. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not quite fasting, is it? It's like, no, no, I'm definitely fast between meals. And I do low carb at breakfast, but I make up for it by carbs at lunch. And it's like, yeah, that's not how those diets work. And so you could get lost between modes and feel a little wavering. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right one. Maybe I should do some other one. And you're actually not doing any of them. So do the one that feels most intuitively comfortable for you. <clears throat> and if you're really not sure, it really is fine to come back to the body. So if you're ever confused about what to be doing, body awareness is the first foundation. So uh, start there if you don't know what to do. If you're in a time where you're not knowing what to choose. So let's settle in to a morning of practice together. Maybe start with a reflection that this day is freshly arisen. We can let go of all previous days Welcome ourselves to be 
beginners in terms of this day. Open for the journey. And then in a relaxed way, you might start tuning into what is freshly arising this morning. How is my body now? How's my breath? How's my heart? What's the stream of my mind like now? And then we're in the stream already. How do we want to practice patiently to help us meet moment by moment experience? Further drawn to collecting yourself in a familiar way around the breath, but welcoming fresh breathing, not dulled out by previous experience. Or do you turn to a wider aperture where the breath is central, but you're aware of more that's happening than just the breath, the rest of the body, the energetics of this moment? Letting the the breath support you while you explore something also in the stream, breathing in and out, I'm aware, this mood, mental state. We're welcome to relax our relationship to the anchor See if we can just be wakeful in the stream. Be mindful of whatever is predominant. So again, trust your choice. You get to learn from your choices. And we'll just sit together.
We have a few announcements and then <clears throat> time for a few questions. So <clears throat> uh, Francisco will be sitting in with James this morning. Um, today's Tuesday, in case that's novel information. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we're trying to do uh, is balance out um, the number of chairs we have in the hall so that those who need chairs have them, and then we need some extra chairs for those who only occasionally use them. <clears throat> so if you are mainly practicing in a chair, that would be your main location. And if you're sitting on the floor, that's your main location. We ask that you not <clears throat> um, try to claim two spots so that uh, there's always some free chairs available. If we uh, add chairs to the room and people uh, try to claim those chairs plus a floor on the, sp the spot on the floor, then there's never quite enough chairs for people to use. So if you're mainly sitting on the floor, we hope that there are enough occasional use chairs that when you need a chair, you can uh, use one. Um, if your practice is such that you really do need two locations, check in with the retreat coordinators. Um, that helps them know how many chairs we should have in the room. Another <clears throat> fine attunement to deep, being on deep retreat like this and long retreat like this um, is that we, in order to protect each other's uh, solitude so that we only are working with what's coming up for us, um, there are some unconscious habits that we have to check and so hopefully we're all putting a check on any actions of communication so that you can, uh, if you need to talk to somebody, to have an intermediary with the, the retreat coordinators or check in with the teacher, you feel like there's something you need to communicate. And then everybody gets to uh, just be in their own frame. And two students talking to each other is not uh, so great. And we've mentioned that before. There also needs to be, um, not, to drop the habit of making eye contact. And so out of just old habit and social politeness, sometimes people make eye contact. But uh, that eye contact also can be jarring as people are settling sensitively in themselves. This is especially important if you feel like there's some attraction either friendly attraction or amorous attraction, you have to be very careful to explore that internally. There's nothing wrong with it happening internally, but if it becomes action, then it's not safe for other people, no matter how much you think maybe that person's also into you. It, uh, it often is not the case, and it's jarring if you're trying to even peek to see if this person likes you or not. Um, so uh, try to keep your, your field to yourself. Uh, when we're sitting in a room like this, we're, we're creating a field together. When we're on campus, there is a general field. But um, uh, if you feel drawn to somebody, uh, be extra careful. There's something wrong about being drawn to somebody, but you don't want it to become action. 
actions of trying to sit by them in a meal, actions of trying to walk by them, all that would be way too much. And so also watch out for ways that you might be looking for them uh, out and walking. That means that it's already becoming action. And uh, for the safety of the field, we need to uh, pull that back, not to repress the energy, but making sure that it isn't becoming action. So I think those are the announcements for the day, unless another one comes up. Are there any questions about your practice and about ways we've taught? Yeah, in the mid-row back. Um, J.D., my name is Jane. Um, J.D., I really appreciated your talk last night on the awakening factors, and I find that I'm a little imbalanced, that I'm more on the tranquil side, the content side, but that's kind of lulling. And um, I wondered if you or any of you would speak a little bit more Especially about developing curiosity. Um, I certainly know what that's like in my outside life. I'm pretty curious about my friends and family, and and, uh, I use the Internet a lot to find out things. But if you'd speak a little bit more about here we are sitting silently with our eyes shut about cultivating curiosity, if any of you would speak to that. Uh, so that's a, <clears throat> a great question about how do we balance. So there are two ways to bring balance. One is if you're find it very hard to be present at all because there is a the mind feels cool and quiet. Um, if you try to overcome that and try to get bright mind from a cool and quiet mind, that might take a lot of force. And so one thing is just, how do I bring wakeful qualities into what's happening? So it's the lightest intervention is not to overcome the quietude, but to see if you can arouse curiosity in the quietude, if you can arouse mindfulness and dharma investigation into what's happening. And it's not about overcoming it, but exploring it. And that we, there's no state that we've explored enough because if it's our predominant experience, it always could be known and oriented to. So that's one type of balance is not to overcome it, but to bring the uh, Dharma investigation a little more courage to be, not to overcome something, but to persistently try to engage. Uh, That's the type of courage of knowing a state. And then see if you can actually take some joy and rediscover some joy in just doing that. So one retreat, I had a tremendous amount of sleepiness. And I was told to be mindful of it. And so I'd stare at a spot on the floor, get really sleepy. And there was this moment where my eyes would track different things. 
I was like, wow, I've never seen that. So it became fascinating to explore the state that I was in versus trying to antidote it. But if you're, if it's chronic and you're really groggy and it's hard to even get the factors into that quiet, tranquil state, then there are energetic things you can do, like uh, walk more quickly during walking periods, even though that may not be as mindful. It helps with the day to have some times when you're moving energy. So you get more mindfulness through the day than uh, if you slow walked all day long. Coming to standing, opening your eyes, uh, doing visual meditation, it's just another sense door. So you can open your eyes. Closing your eyes and working with the breath uh, is sleep-inducing. Not always, but it can be the way the mind goes. So if you open your eyes, take in some light, and then try to find your breath, or just start being mindful of color at the eye door, color, shape, perception, color, shape, perception. That Those are things that uh, tend to wake the mind up from a quieter state. And then you can push even further to just do a lot more walking and then maybe sit briefly to collect yourself and then do more walking. It's a more energized state. And that is to try to overcome a very chronic, uh, dull state. It's it, the, the Burmese would say sometimes, reflect upon your favorite Dharma teaching. Realize that you're on the Dharma path and that fills you, that refills your aspiration. Wow, here I am and I'm sleepy, but I'm actually on the Dharma path. I'm deep in retreat. I'm going to sort of get all excited about that. And that reflection alone can sort of like, oh, I think I was sort of taking this for granted and that was a sleepy attitude, but I'm going to see if I can arouse more interest uh, to make sure I'm not taking this for granted just because it's quiet and familiar. Um, Another tool around this is the reflection on your own death and that none of us are guaranteed to see this day through. And just knowing that, sometimes it wakes us up out of a a sense of complacency that we're overcoming with willpower, but not inspiration. And so this death reflection, my death is certain, but the timing is uncertain. Let's not waste time. Let's see if we can arouse uh, some interest, not just willpower. Because if you're only using willpower, it's fatiguing. To overcome fatigue with willpower usually puts us back into fatigue. So opening your eyes, having more energetic postures, uh, that can help arouse if the energy is flagging. Last thing to say is you make gentle interventions, but anything more than a gentle, persistent intervention could be averse to what's happening and craving what isn't happening. So at some point there's, okay, this is the stream right now. It's very quiet. And I can only keep patiently inviting a little more wakefulness. But any more than that, and I'm starting to get agitated by what is happening, and I'm craving what isn't happening. So then making sure that you're not adding suffering to the state.
I hope somewhere in that bucket of that somewhere in that like, very long paragraph was a phrase that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, we have one in the mid here. Raise your hand higher. And again, if you can say your names, it helps us build a little bit of community. Um, hi, my name is Tanvi. Um, so the question is, um, what I'm observing is uh, sometimes I'm starting with what seems like a wholesome state, like, let's say, curiosity. Um, and then over time, it slowly transitions into more like a desire to figure out what's yep. happening. Yep. Or I start with a state of joy, which had certain calming quality about it. But then over time, it's just a mechanism to draw more pleasure from mm. Yeah. So how do we really find that balance in these transitions? You're, <clears throat> you find balance by being more and more oriented to those likely transitions. So each beautiful quality has what's called a near enemy or a counterfeit. And they can be very subtle, so it's not like it was A and then it was B, but this beautiful quality was there and it slid into another quality. And so one is to know those patterns and know them in yourself. And by doing it over and over, you begin to have the intuitive sense, this is predominantly joy oh, my motivation has shifted and I can see I'm using this joy for pleasure. Maybe you don't catch it the first turn towards it, but as you get more familiar with it, you both consciously and intuitively uh, can tell the difference. Uh, So it's just a lot of experience knowing a beautiful state and then seeing how it can be paralleled by something that's more egoically motivated, which is a very slippery thing about the mind, and we don't want to scold it too much, but uh, our ordinary mind will try to employ its same tactics on our dharma practice. And it's like, okay, there's there's no way to get what I want I'm used to, but if I'm here, okay, I can work with this. Okay. The way I look when I'm walking, yeah, I can get some ego gratification off that. And the simple pleasantness of in and out breathing, yeah, I think I'll keep that. That's a good tactic for my happiness, and it's a little bit more about the keeping it and the eyeing and mying around it. Over time, we do get more sensitive to those shifts. It shows us why any one state is very hard to keep uh, in its pure state because the mind will drift off center. And by knowing that, you can keep trying to relax the way your mind has drifted and bring it back to uh, that more pure relationship. Uh, that's more conducive to the wholesomeness of it. But by watching that over and over, we develop more sensitivity. 
And luckily, it doesn't tend to go in 10,000 directions. That calm becomes lights out. And uh, a sense of uh, justice can become very enraged and condemning. Um, A sense of elation that feels very balanced can be fuel tons of daydreams. So you start to know what's the likely imbalance and not get tense around it. But as you feel the drift off, you can try to invite yourself back. At some point, the mind does drift. uh, There's no state that you get to only make pure, but it's by watching it over and over that you get better at it, more sensitive to it, and then have some equanimity that you're watching the mind and the mind does that. It takes beautiful states and then they can only last so long before other things begin to bubble up in them. And don't condemn yourself for that. That's how ordinary minds work. And it's the seeing of it that means that it's not going to delude you as much, even though it can be a little frustrating that uh, you were in a wholesome state and then you saw yourself slide out of it. Uh, We'll all be watching that many times. But it's that watching of it that begins to teach us more about the slide that happens. And if there is a gentle correction, we can make it. But sometimes we have to then work with the hindrances that come up, uh, even after beautiful states. everybody we've come to that point to have a day so may you all have a day of practice let go of all yesterdays don't take up any tomorrows and here we are in this ever unfolding bubbling now maybe may you at least have wakefulness of what's happening Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.